Hi friends, this is Travis. Before we get started with the new season of The Hotel, I have a few quick announcements to make. First, new release schedule. Episodes will now release on the 1st and 15th of every month. And this month, you're getting a third bonus episode. We're having a collaboration crossover event with Creepy. That episode will be available on Creepy's feed and right here at The Hotel on the 30th. Second, a big thank you to the fans. We've seen your fan art and we love it. If you have any fan art, share it with the hashtag #thehotelpodcast. That way I can more easily find it and save a screenshot to my phone. Speaking of fans, there's an incredible fan Discord server just for the hotel. We've linked it in the show notes. Check it out, get on board. We're going to start hosting community events there in the very near future. So if you're a fan of the hotel, and I know you are because you're listening to this, thank you so much for listening. We got a lot of fun surprises in store. The new hotel, new hotel is bigger and better scarier? Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy the new season of The Hotel. I am alone, ranged in comforting nothing, distinct from the void only by my own awareness, first of mind, sensing, then of body and sensation. I feel the strength of both, and I know it will not last the night. For a moment, I question if there is a self separate from the void. But then my eyes adjust to the dark lobby the hotel has provided tonight. The void falls away. And for now, it's just me and her. High curved ceilings yawn over the front desk, almost swallowing it up into the darkness. The room is swathed in polished marble. A deep, silvery purple that's almost black. It's festooned with gaudy white accents that drive the eye awkwardly away from the walls. Something's missing. With a subtle, searching feeling, I scrutinize the dark, cornerless room. My front desk gleams like a brilliant anglerfish lure, inviting you to come closer. My uniform tonight is in matching hues, not allowing me the courtesy of discretion. The white private office door behind me cuts into the wall like a new tooth in a hungry mouth. Nothing missing so far. As I study the many harsh, chalky angles disrupting the blankets of rolling black walls, I allow myself a bristle of curiosity. The hotel has chosen a hostile shape tonight. 
I hear a soft but sharp flit behind me, meekly sounding the start of my work. In the center of the private office door is a slot, and resting on the ledge I know is a small card with a name printed on it. I take the dry, textured card. But before I read it, I realize what's missing from the lobby. The other door, of course. The dark walls might make you feel much smaller than you are, more alone than you are. But as I move from behind my desk, I see the marble shift from obsidian to violet and subtle starlight shimmers. And it doesn't make me feel alone at all. It makes me feel like I'm surrounded on every side by breathing flesh pulsing in rhythm to my footsteps. I don't shy away or slow my pace. No need to tread carefully here. She's not a sleeping giant to tiptoe past as your chest burns with a breath unreleased. In the belly of the beast, we are the breath that burns from within. The hotel has as many moods as it does shapes, and if the guests were ever here long enough, they would learn to feel them with us. But the guests fade here as quickly as a gasp, so we carry the lonely knowledge, knowing it can't save us. We fade too, here. I can already feel my body stiffen as I walk. The burning breath always gives way to death's cold grasp. I start to feel the grim mood crowding in on me as I follow the white molding across the curved walls looking for the missing door. His door. My desk is always near the private office door, and no matter what the lobby looks like, I always know where I will begin. The other door is hard to find tonight. For a moment, I think, maybe this time it won't be here. Maybe this time I'll be alone. The walls will come down around me, and maybe this time I'll be the one. Checking in. But as I pass the farthest curve of the room, exactly across from my front desk, the light catches barely visible words on a nearly hidden door. Supply closet. Miss? I didn't hear him come in. Miss? Hello? He's draped in expensive, dark, velvet, and his bright red shoes are soft-soled. He must have sailed through my lobby like an owl. He looks tired. He's been pushing himself to stay awake, to get here, or wherever he thinks he is. Wherever he was trying to go. I don't need to know this man very long to read his moods. You work here? I mean, you work here, right? There's no one at the desk. I check the card in my hand surreptitiously before I answer. Of course, Mr. Sherwin, I say. I can help you immediately. Perry Sherwin not only snuck himself in... But he brought four bags, each a different size and shape as well. He's got them grouped up behind him, 
like a cadre of sycophants cheering him on. I get a better look at him as I cross the wide open lobby. There's something in his eyes. A softness. Not dullness or confusion, but a limitation. His stance is shiftless and loose. I'm surprised he doesn't have someone here making all his arrangements for him. He would be more at home at the center of a collection of assistants and helpers and hangers-on, each performing one service or function, one he can't or won't do himself. Not the same people all the time, but a carousel of interchangeable servants he can define himself against. But not here. Alone in my lobby, he's got nothing to measure himself against, and all he can do is wait for someone else, for me, to step in and give him substance. He signs his name in the guest book, and I sense he's reached the limit of his participation. He steps away from the bags, and doesn't seem to notice that a little bit of some dark rot has begun to leak from the orifices in my head. With his back to me, he blends even more with the dark open walls. If I don't look directly at him, he almost fades to nothing. But a pair of soft red shoes padding impatiently in small steps back and forth. The walls ripple in the light again. Maybe it's light, quivering like hungry, aching flesh. Perry Sherwin doesn't see that either, though. He's accustomed to the kind of luxury and grandeur he's surrounded by now. The lobby may as well be a blank space. A placeholder for him to stand in while he waits to be waited on. His room key is a plaster rectangle I put into a paper card and write 47 on so he doesn't get lost. I ask him if there's anything else he needs. Tell him checkout time. Explain the minibar. Everything he's used to hearing. Everything he expects to hear. I know it's all turning into a bland white buzz in his ears. He nods a few times, but doesn't bother to look in my direction. Even if he did, he wouldn't have noticed my face looked a little thinner, or that my eyes have noticeably paled. No one in the hotel escapes death. In some form or other, it comes for us all. But seeing the guest's obliviousness, knowing what waits for him, I see now what being alone here truly looks like. I see everything here. I am not alone here. But the guests never see death here until it comes for them. With a waxy, sunken hand, I summon it for Mr. Sherwin. Hey, this is Travis with a brief ad break. Thanks for listening. Now back to the hotel. 
I can't see anything in the dark that surrounds me. I can't move in the cramped space. Not much, anyway. I can smell that damp dirt smell, though. Lots of places in the hotel are dark. Lots of places in the hotel are cramped. But this is the only place that smells just like this. It smells how I imagine a graveyard smells after it rains. I've never been to a graveyard, but that's how I imagine it smells. I don't know for sure, but I don't think the people at the graveyard know what it smells like either. They're also somewhere dark and cramped and smelly. Maybe when they get visitors, they can hear the muffled conversations of the people who put them there. The only muffled conversations I ever hear are the guests talking to my manager. I can hear them out there now. And I can hear the front desk bell tolling, calling me out to the light. I don't keep them waiting. I can't. I step over my bucket, my mop, I can't see anything, but I don't need to. It's always the same in my closet. But when I open the door, I get to see the new lobby. Today, it's big and fancy. A big circle with clean, smooth walls. It's dark, too. Not as dark as my closet, but it's not too bright. I like that part. Some parts are white, like the front desk. My manager is wearing white. My uniform is white now, too. I can't see my hat, but it's probably also white. All I can think about are the stains. White clothes always get stained. And the stains at the hotel are... I, I can't get them all the way clean. Not here. The stains touch the fabric and no matter how hard I scrub, there's always a little bit left behind. But there will be no stains today. I tell myself again and again, quietly, so the guest can't hear me when I get close enough to take his key. Room 47. The room I made the big bed for. My manager is telling me to take the guest to his room. Explaining to him where the elevators are, and making him feel at home. 
He isn't listening. And grab my bags for me. I'm traveling alone. He isn't talking to me. He wants me to get his bags, but I can tell he isn't talking to me. He won't even look at me. I don't mind that, though. I don't mind. I can already feel my face swelling up like something putrid. I tell him, of course, sir. Right away, sir. But I don't know where my card is. My mop and bucket are always in my supply closet with me. But my cart... Sometimes the hotel hides my cart. It must be mad today. I hope it leaves me alone today. I grab the guests' bags. I can carry them, but it isn't easy. It would be okay if I didn't have to carry them all. But I know he won't help. And I can't look for my cart because maybe it's not even here at all. But for sure my manager is telling me to get the guest to his room right away. She isn't talking to me either. But she is looking at me. I pick up all the guests' bags, and it's not easy because my arms are going stiff in my shoulders, and the skin on the back of my hand is bruising and swelling. I lead the guest to the elevator as quickly as I can on feet that are already starting to rot. Inside, the elevator is just another dimly lit box. Whenever it's fancy here, everything's either too dark or too bright. I don't like it when it's too bright. I like it darker. There's less to see that way. This dimly lit box also smells like damp dirt. Even though my mop isn't here. Sometimes I say to myself, maybe the graveyard smell from my closet makes me smelly. I don't really think that, though. Because even in the dark elevator, I can see our reflections against the polished doors. And I can see exactly what smells like a graveyard in here. The guest doesn't notice it, I think. He doesn't say anything anyway. As the elevator stops and the doors open, I can feel all my teeth get a little looser in my jaw. Room 47 is big and round like the lobby. Dark wallpaper. As soon as we're inside, the guest jumps right into the center of the bed. Dark bed sheets. The pillows are white. He looks almost invisible except for his head and his hands and those red shoes. 
The pillows look like teeth ready to chew him up. You can put those in the closet. He kicks off his shoes. They're so red. I worry they might stain the white carpet. Like the red could bleed right off the shoes and no matter how much I cleaned it. No, no matter how much. He's yelling at me now because I haven't taken his bags to the closet like he wants. I'm trying not to listen to him. I drop his bags. I focus on the shoes. Next to them, the white carpet is littered with my hair. It's falling out in clumps and I'm having trouble focusing because the guest has stopped yelling at me and started screaming. He wanted to come get the bags, I think, but he can't get out of the bed. His dark clothes look so much like the dark sheets that now he can't tell where he ends and the bed begins. He's thrashing and twisting, but he's not going anywhere. I watch him jerk his head and flail his arms. The bed is working him down so slowly. He maybe thought he was tangled up in the sheets at first, but as his feet and legs sink in further, he realizes he knows what waits for him in the dark where he can't see. Down in the nothingness. His hands sink and disappear and I can tell from his screams that he understands. He sees me now. As his head dips into the darkness, he looks at me for comfort. But he sees me. And he doesn't look comforted. Sees how sunken my eyes have become. And how the skin pulled away from my teeth. He knows he's going to look this way soon. Really knows it. And he changes too. He changes too. Behind his eyes, something changes. He looks like those shoes, like something that could stain even when it's gone. Something that you won't stop seeing, no matter how hard you try. How hard you close your eyes to make the dark even darker. The curved bed frame yawns around Perry Sherwin. Completely swallowing him down into the hotel.
close my eyes so that I can be in the dark again now. But I know I'm still here. Because I'm still afraid of the dark. Afraid of the dark. The Hotel was created and produced by Travis McMaster and Mark Witten. Starring Kelly Ninaltowski as the manager. Mark Witten as the lobby boy. Graham Rowett as the owner. And Krista Lewis. Music by Lauren Picorni, West Rodri, and special guest composer Zach Tatum-Drake. Murder in America is a true crime podcast that covers stories from all 50 states, including stories of mass shootings, serial killers, and lesser-known murders. Do you find yourself doing more research after listening to a true crime show? Well, Courtney and I used to do the same thing, and that's why we created Murder in America. Our podcast dives deep into each case. Our storytelling will make you feel like you're right there within the case with us, watching it all play out. And we do not shy away from the graphic details. If you're a fan of true crime, then listen to Murder in America on Spotify now. Every town has its dark history. Hometown Ghost Stories is a paranormal podcast that goes town to town all across the globe, exploring the world's most haunted places, tapping into the dusty archives and the darkest corners to bring you the most terrifying stories of real people and their harrowing experiences. Hometown Ghost Stories dives into the history of haunted locations and investigates why and how these places earned their terrifying reputation. Rob, Dave, and Jesse go live every Tuesday night after an uninterrupted documentary-style breakdown on the case, followed by an open discussion with live viewers. Subscribe today to listen to Hometown Ghost Stories on your preferred podcast platform or watch the video version on YouTube and now Spotify. Head on over to the Bloody FM Podcast Network and check out Hometown Ghost Stories, if you're brave enough. (laughs) 